I am so excited to have in studio with me today Angie Austin. You know her. She is the host of the Good News right here on uh, Crawford Stations, KLZ. And then also the Angie Austin and Mike Opelka Show, which is a national show. You can hear it here on KLZ from 4 to 6 a.m. and then again at 11 a.m. Angie Austin, it is so great to have you here. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate you inviting me in. A lot of these topics we're going to discuss involve kids and education and sex ed, etc. And uh, I'm right in the thick of it. My kids are 9, 11, and 13, so they're in the middle of a lot of this. And one of them, well, two of them have had sex ed, but um, it's an interesting topic because it starts so young. You know, in fifth grade, my daughter uh, was given a sex ed class, and it was going to be the end of the school year, and she's a year young for her grade, so she was 9, just had turned 10 when she got sex ed. And I still don't think she quite understands it. Now she's in sixth grade, and she's 11. And what they're attempting or uh, they're what they're considering teaching her and, you know, and other children at such a young age is pretty overwhelming information wise. You know, Angie, I've read this bill. I think you're referring to not only here in Colorado, we have House Bill 19, uh, 1032, which is the sex education bill. And what we're, what we're really seeing, Angie, is the hypersexualization of our children and not letting our kids be kids. Taking away the freedom for families to talk about talk with their children about sex and their sexual health, and you just mentioned something very interesting, and that is that your your daughter is young for the class that she's in, mm-hmm. and then there will be kids that are old for that class. So there's kids conceivably there's almost two years between them, yeah. and so each child is different, and to have these these policies and these curriculums that are forced down from above instead of letting families have the freedom to talk with their kids about this is pretty scary. Yeah, scary, uh, scary, and I think too much information. In the case of when uh, her fifth grade class, uh, I said, why are they teaching it at the beginning of the school year rather than the end of the school year like they used to? And one of the teachers said, because last year the kids really started to smell and we wanted to talk to them about deodorant and things like that and puberty. So we decided to have it at the beginning of the uh, the school year so we could hand out the deodorant. And I'm like, really? So my, I mean, she certainly didn't understand all the intricacies of what they said. And I, and I, when they got down to the actual, how does pregnancy work? They did say about no, the wait, last I thought we were bit, talking about deodorant. Yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And all the, it was the whole sex ed curriculum. And I thought it was kind of interesting reasoning that that part of the reason was because the teachers decided the kids smelled so bad the fifth, you know, the year before. Yeah. But they were going to tell them earlier. But anyway, they did say at the very end, you know, ask your parents about that part, which was, I guess, their really, you know, detailed ex- explanation. But she's so she's in sixth grade now. So this was the beginning of last year. The beginning and, of fifth grade. Yeah, beginning of fifth grade. And she's been sexually harassed at school by a boy this year. And I'll tell you this. She still didn't truly understand some of the other concepts because he was making jet or gestures to to her and that she came home and said what did it mean that he was doing this to me and then he was saying you and bobby you know you and stevie you and george you know like making these gestures so i just think they're too young to truly understand some of the concepts and that was regular sex ed that wasn't what we're talking about with 1032 this is a lot more detailed and a lot more information that I think is really confusing for kids. Well, it really is. And, uh, you know, I think children are malleable. Mm 
And uh, this, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this House Bill 19-1032. And Angie, I've read the whole bill, and what's so interesting, this is actually the language right from the bill itself. And this is in the bill summary. It okay. says, the bill clarifies content requirements for public schools that offer comprehensive human sexuality education and prohibits Instruction from explicitly or implicitly teaching or endorsing religious ideology. It prohibits sectarian tenets or doctrines. It prohibits using shame-based or stigmatizing language. It prohibits uh, employing gender norms or gender stereotypes. So that would be like he, she, boy, girl. And it prohibits excluding the relational or sexual experiences of lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender individuals. You know, this is a long way from what I think government is supposed to be doing. And uh, certainly I find it somewhat concerning that the state of Colorado is putting forth legislation which is going to take away the freedom for families to talk with their children about their sexual health on the timeline that works for them. And now to have government be pushing, in a way, I think uh, almost a certain religion, a certain ideology regarding this 1032 and the uh, relational and sexual experiences of LGBTQ. What's your thoughts? I think that it's difficult for them to even grasp some of these concepts. I think that uh, you mentioned they're malleable and that... uh I don't even think they'll truly understand a lot of them. I don't think they're ready. I mean, I've got kids this age. They don't understand this stuff. I mean, yes, I know you can teach them what sex is and that they'll kind of get the basics. But even that is a, you know, just the basic. I think that's enough. I think too much information is very confusing to them. I think this is an opt-in high school or college like kind of class. Like it's an opt-in, like if you decide you want your kids to take health and learn sex ed and then learn about all of the other offshoots of what a traditional relationship is and about, you know, a lot of other topics that they may run into in society. Uh, And that's something for a kid that's older. I don't think that kids, Kids, the age of my kids understand. Kids be kids. I remember I was older when I first was presented with the concept of what sex was. And I remember my first reaction was, ooh. Mm -hmm. That's what all the kids said. (laughs) One of the kids came to the car, my girlfriend's car afterwards, and she goes, you people are gross. I'm going to be scarred for life. (laughs) So we need to make sure that we let our kids be kids. Angie, did you realize that this this curriculum that we're talking about will start in fourth grade? Oh, wow. I've got a... But, about a fourth grader. But She's actually, nine. But actually, in kindergarten, they will be talking about... Now, you mentioned traditional relationships. Mm-hmm. They'll be talking about, quote-unquote, healthy relationships. Who will determine what healthy relationship is? I see underlying uh, uh, pushing an agenda uh, that is... And very unsuspecting of many students and of many families. And um, it, it kind of, I, I get really concerned. I guess I'm going to say I'm really concerned about it and we need to do something about it. Uh, and, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that they're writing their, their uh, uh, representatives. Interestingly enough, there is a Republican sponsor on this particular bill. It's Senator Don Corum, who is the Colorado senator from Montrose. So would highly recommend that you make your voices be heard. Email Don Corum. Be sure and call him. And then the other sponsors on this, 
this in the Senate is Nancy Todd. And once again, uh, she's a Democrat, but email her and call her. And then on the House side, it is Representative Lontine. And Angie, I really believe that every day, each of us needs, we can't be lazy. We have to make sure that we do something. Uh, great societies and great people, they care about how they treat their neighbors and what they pass on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And we have a real thing here that we need to, to say not on our watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I almost feel like this is um, so unusual to teach this kids, uh, the, the kids this kind of information. And I'm not, Steve, you know me. I'm to your producer, Steve. I'm not very judgmental. Like if you, if you, you know, when you, like if I'm working with somebody that decides I work with a guy that he decided he was going to start wearing a, dr- a dress, he was bald and he wore, wore lipstick. Well, knock yourself out. That's your prerogative. But to teach kids that are so young that don't understand the differences in these relationships, I think it's so confusing. I mean, my, my nephew is gay and my daughter is very close to him and she's a middle schooler. She just kind of figured it out. But she figured it out in knowing him for many years and us not giving a lot of specifics because, again, I don't think they truly understand a lot of sexuality before they hit puberty. And I know that um, in the Boulder School District, there was a trans choir that came to teach kids kindergarten through, I think, fifth or sixth grade about different types of relationships. And there was a crow or something that didn't didn't understand or didn't know if he was male or female. Mm -hmm. And that someone from the school district said it's never too young to teach about, you know, uh, inclusivity and accepting people, et cetera. And and so the trans choir adults Mm -hmm. came to teach the kids about this. I don't think a kindergartner has any idea what you're talking about. No, but it's a, it's an indoctrination that has started early. But I, I want to talk about live and let live because I agree with you on that. Let's go to break. When we come back, I'm talking with Angie Austin. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and we'll be right back. I am thrilled to have in studio with me Angie Austin. You know her. She is the host of The Good News right here on KLZ 560. And then nationally, it's the Angie Austin and Mike Opelka Show. You're on from 4 to 6 a.m. and then 11 a.m. again right here on KLZ 560. Angie Austin, first of all, I hope you didn't have your superwoman cape get uh, caught in the car door when you uh, came in because you not only do three hours of radio a day. Four. Four hours of radio. I do two shows, yeah. Four hours of radio a day, and you have three, <laughs> three kids, a teenager and almost a teenager, and a grade schooler. So it is amazing what you get done every day. I'm just in awe of you. It uh, definitely uh, it takes, you know, I mean, I'm busy. Let's put it that way. I, so, yeah, yeah. I would say so. In the last break, we were talking a bit about this House Bill 19-1032, which is the sex education bill here in Colorado. And I, I think that you and I agree. I really... I really believe in live and let live. What you do in your bedroom is not my business. Uh, you know, what you do with your life, you're responsible for that, not me. And so I really believe in let live and let live, or live and let live. However, we are seeing a far cry from live and let live now. What we are seeing is an agenda that is being pushed forward into the school system using public dollars. And uh, I submit that it's actually... A religion, if you will. And uh, certainly we believe here in America that government money, government policy should not be putting forth and affirming a specific religion. And we really saw this uh, play out, Angie, with uh, Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop. 
you know, uh, Jack is a really, really a loving man. And uh, a couple came in that wanted him to bake a cake celebrating their gay marriage. And he said, you know, you can buy anything here, but that's not something that I can, can affirm. And so what happened is, is the couple then marched right down to the Civil, uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Uh, they said they'd been discriminated against. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission brought Jack Phillips in. And basically they, they said to him, if you do not affirm this, if you do not affirm something that you do not believe, then we're going to use the heavy hand of government to take away your business. And he says, well, I can't do that. And they said, okay, no more wedding cakes. You can't do any wedding cakes. And that makes, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, if government comes in and says, if you do not affirm X, we're going to take your property, we're going to take your business, we're in a tough, we're in a tough spot right now, Angie. Yeah, I, I've kind of thought about it if I were asked to sing at a wedding and as a Christian, they wanted me to sing um, songs about uh, if, they, if they were devil worshipers and I had, I'd have to say, no, it's not my thing. I mean, I just I think I'd say, no, I'm not available, you know, but if you say, no, I don't believe in that, that's where you get in trouble. So if he would have lied and said, I've got too many orders and I can't do that, he would have been just fine. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying lie, but what I'm saying is, like, what makes it okay for you to say no to business? And the fact that they then said you can't make wedding cakes is outrageous to me. And the whole live and let live thing, I, I... I, I agree. I mean, I'm not a judgmental person. Jesus calls us to love people, and that's what I try to do in my life. The decisions you make are up to you, and I don't think that I'm going to shame you or whatever you scold you into living the same lifestyle that I live. However, being kind to others and loving my neighbor, regardless of whether or not he wears a dress or not, I'm going to do, right? But I don't need you teaching my kids in school about abortion, because I think that'd be very upsetting to my girls in particular. They're young and uh, they're at the age where one of them's already had sex ed when she j- had just turned Which 10. Which is one of the things that's right. in the bill, 1032. And then, and then to um, this, uh, this bill would reinforce a ban on schools from uh, endorsing abstinence. So they wouldn't be taught that's an option. I'm not sure that I quite understand that. And then teaching kids about healthy relationships and the experiences of LGBTQ individuals. I don't think my kids are going to get it anyway. Like I, I think it's just, I think it's so confusing, way too much information. Some would say indoctrination, but I think confusion. I think they're just confused by just sex alone. But then when you bring in all the other options, there's a lot of information to be given to a child, and I certainly don't want them being taught about abortion when they've just turned 10. Or, as you mentioned, in, uh, my nine-year-old's in fourth grade, so I, we haven't talked about abortion yet. Um, my son understands it, but it's upsetting to them. Well, speaking of abortion, I really think that the veil is off on what's been going on in America with Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia uh, talking about aborting a child in the fourth trimester and then Governor Cuomo in um, New York and uh, the standing ovation and the, you know, lighting up the the World Trade Center uh, tower or the um, spire on that uh, to honor abortion is the veil is off now, Angie. We know what the real fight is here. And we're seeing the Democrat Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK. Uh, It's not your parents' uh, Democrat Party for sure. And what they're standing for is death, destruction, division, and victimhood. And the American idea stands for creativity and innovation 
and life. And I was astonished. Donald Trump is starting to really take a stand for life. You saw that in his State of the Union address. And then just recently, he uh, they issued orders that any a provider of women's health care health provider that is referring or doing abortions will no longer get federal money. I just about fell off my chair when I saw that. I think it's so exciting. Yeah, and that was just recent. That is uh, news that is welcome. I, you know, I I think that uh, the abortion issue is such a heavy topic. And, you know, going back to what we were originally talking about, but kids learning about that. It's not something that um, I want to teach my kids about at the age of nine. My daughter weighs 50 pounds. She is like up to my waist. She is so tiny and little and, you know, plays every day and sleeps with stuffed animals. And I don't think that's a time to tell her about killing babies. Right. I, I totally agree. So what do you think that we should do about it, Angie? I mean, you've been in this business oh, about for a long the ten- time. The, the bill? Yeah. Well, I I know that people are gathering at the Capitol and that people are getting involved. You mentioned in the prior segment about contacting, uh, you know, their uh, political representative. And I think that, um, yeah, well, and you opt out. You know, you don't send your kid to the sex ed class that teaches them things that you don't want them to learn about at this point in life. You know, recently I had, uh, and they were unidentified because they were concerned about retribution from the Boulder Valley School District. Mm-hmm. It was a mom and a dad mm-hmm. that parents that opted out of uh, the school where there was the transgender choir. Yeah. What in essence, the kids that opted out were left in the were were in the class. They weren't left in the classroom. They were in the classroom, and a a video talking about transgenderism was what they watched. And so parents, that's interesting, yeah. And then you opt out and go watch Finding Nemo in the gym or something. That's not what happened because the father that called in, he actually went there and he actually saw that. And, and so, these are K through like fifth or sixth graders. That I mean, a kindergartner? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I know it's beyond reason, but this is where we are right now. And I think so many, you know how busy you are as a mom. You, you know a whole bunch of moms. I think a bunch of moms and dads don't even know this is going on. Right. No, I agree. I totally agree. And so we need to make sure that in kind, reasonable voices that we are speaking truth. We are speaking what this really says. And there are parents that are okay with that. Yeah. And it's a free country. Right. You should be able, if if you're okay with that, that's fine. But don't do it on the public dime and don't do this in the public school. If this is, is, if this is what you want to teach your, your children, okay. You know, it's not my business. However, don't be using public money, public policy to push this forward. Let me talk to my children with my values. Well, and even if the kids opt out, let's be honest, every other kid in class that learned about abortion that day is going to share it with my kid anyway. Good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Now, you have three kids and you have a real heart for children, uh, which is obvious. And something that's been on your mind is adults that are using kids for specific agendas. Uh, So tell me a little bit about that. I'm not really into indoctrinating kids with your politics. It's great to talk about topics at the table, but in our house, we're divided politically, so we don't bring up politics a lot at home. Um, My husband didn't vote for Donald Trump, and I did. And my kids told my mother-in-law, well, one of my parents voted for Donald Trump, and the (laughs) other one voted for that lady. And then my mother-in-law said to them, well, your mother's not that stupid. And so, yeah, oh that's exactly gosh. what she said, because, you know, and so that 
kind of thing, bringing your kids into your politics and more so. Um, and so anyway, with my husband, he um, he's definitely much more liberal than I am. And he definitely voted for Hillary. And uh, so we don't talk about it a lot at home because we have a great marriage and we get along well. And um, I think like much of the country, we're on uh, one big island together. And a lot of us agree on the majority of things in, you know, about raising our kids, coming up with good money for their lunches, making sure that we save for their college and that we can pay for their sports. And then there's the far right and the far left. And that's really what we hear about in the news, you know, the hate and divisiveness. But I don't think that my friends, I'll be recording uh, later this afternoon in the group of girls that I bring in, uh, we're very different politically, uh-huh. but we all are friends and we all um, come together to share good news. So I think that um, we have a lot more in common than we have differences, but that um, the media does make us believe the country is a lot more divided than it is. And in this case, it's the story of a little boy that I wanted to bring up because I really think that these parents are using these kids for their own political agenda. Recently, you may have heard about Dianne Feinstein and the young uh, kids that came in to try to push her into signing off on the new Green Deal. And she said, well, we've got our own deal. I've been doing this a long time. And then one of the teenagers, not the littlest one, and one of the littlest ones said, please, please, you know, do what we ask you to. And then a 16-year-old said, well, you know, we voted for you and, you know, you're supposed to do what we want. She said, how old are you? 16. Well, you didn't vote for me. I mean, Diane Feinstein really <laughs> stood up to them. And then you heard a parent say, well, we came in with these posters and lady, fight your own battles and stop bringing the kids into it. And that's how I feel about this conservative family. And I am conservative. You know what? Let's stop okay. right there, Angie. Let's go to break because uh, uh, you are bipartisan on uh, your concern about using children in politics. Yes. So, so this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. I'm talking with Angie Austin, host of the Good News, as well as the Angie Austin and Mike Opelka show right here on KLZ 560. We'll be right back. So pleased to have in studio with me today, Angie Austin. You know her. She's the host of the Good News. It's an hour of good news. And my gosh, Angie, we can use some good news around here. And then the other show that you do is the Angie Austin and Mike Opelka show. And that is on from 4 to 6 a.m. And then again at 11 a.m. right here on KLZ 560. And Angie, that is a national show. So that is across the nation, right? That's correct. And then we're based, our flagship stations right here, KLZ, because I'm based here. And I work with the same producer you do, producer Steve. He helps me with all my local hits, et cetera. And you and I were talking before the break about, um, you know, using your kids for your political agenda and whether you're you're a Democrat, Republican, whatever it may be, I I think it's so unfair because this boy in Austin, Texas, raised five grand for President Trump's border wall by selling, allegedly raised it for the border wall. Who knows what really the money is going to be used for? I have no clue. Uh, By selling hot chocolate uh, at a stand in front of a shopping complex. And this is KTRK reported this uh, out of Texas and uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, The sign does say proceeds help build Trump's uh, wall. Wall, and then hot chocolate, two bucks. And then he offers you Nancy Pelosi marshmallows for 50 cents. Beto <laughs> O'Rourke uh, marshmallows are free. They cost you nothing. Um, but he said some people were mad and calling me little Hitler and stuff. And some people were really happy. But he faced some abuse from these people. I really don't think to put a seven or eight year old kid um, selling hot chocolate with a build the wall sign. I think it's your agenda. I highly doubt a seven-year-old truly is interested in building the wall. And so I feel like we put our kids, when we use them for our political agenda and send them to school, 
with information they're not ready to process yet, that they don't truly understand the differences between the parties. And I think they're way too young to go into school spouting your politics. Like when my mother-in-law said to my kids, oh, mom voted for Trump. And my mother-in-law said, your mom's not that stupid, is she? Uh, No, she's not that stupid. Something to that effect. And then they repeated it back to me. They're too young to let kids be kids. Same thing when we were talking about sex ed and indoctrinating them with a lot of information that, you know, we may not want them indoctrinated with at such a young age. Let kids be kids. And I want to talk about that whole transgender athlete issue, if we can, as well. Okay, so set that up for us. Okay, so the deal is, um, I've been following this for a while because there was a wrestler who'd done really well in state, and it was a boy who now identifies as a girl. And then there's a runner that there's a lot of controversy about. There's a weightlifter that I'd followed that also was what was born a boy and now identifies as a girl. And the reason they're in the news is because they're... Boys who now identify as girls, and so they're competing against girls. And in the most recent case, it's two runners out of Connecticut. And apparently there are 17 states that if you go in and say uh, to your coach, your school, Hi, my name's Bob, and uh, I, yes, I was born a boy, but I identify as a woman. And so I would now like to compete against the girls in my school um, on track. And so with that said, uh, these two runners uh, placed first and second and, uh, you know, in their state for running. And then a girl who was born as a girl uh, in the terminology, I guess, from the article I was reading, and I'm still getting used to all the different terminology, is cisgender came in third. So she was born a girl and is competing as a girl. The other two were born boys and are competing as girls. So um, on this trans athlete website, I found out that if you, um, 17 states, you can just walk right in and say, I want to wrestle as a girl. I mean, I'm, I guess I was born a boy. And I think for me as a mom with three athletes, kids who are very involved in sports, I don't want my daughters um, being forced to compete against boys. And uh, I know that Martina Navratilova did a lot of research on this subject and came out recently. And she's very well placed in the LGBT community and extremely good tennis player, many accolades and awards for her tennis. And she said she researched uh, the idea of um, men who are born as men competing as women and she said it's unfair and cheating and a lot of people will call me transphobic for saying that exactly what happened she was dropped from by a big organization uh, who said that she was an LGBT organization said that Martina Navratilova is transphobic because she said that but she said it's unfair so I interviewed Dr. Uh, Michael Royson who is with the Cleveland Clinic he writes a lot of books with Dr. Oz and he said Angie men are born with different hips they're made for running and strength women have wider hips they're not built for they're built to bear children Mm -hmm. he said that men are born with a different circulatory and musculatory system and that their uh, heart pumps more blood and more blood can go through their body their lungs are bigger hearts bigger muscles are bigger and body is built for running and strength he said so there is a natural built-in advantage that someone born a man has regardless of whether or not they take hormones to adjust their body Mm -hmm. so with that said I'm totally against boys who identify as girls competing against girls. I'm not saying they can't identify as girls. If they want to do that and wear a dress to school and braid their hair and wear lipstick, I'm, that's your choice. But you cannot compete against my daughter 
and then say that's fair. And a lot of people are like, well, if, it, if they really did have an advantage, um, this was the retort to what Martina Navratilova had to say. If they really did have an advantage, wouldn't we have more transgender people winning gold in the Olympics? Well, no, because this hasn't become an issue until more recently that we've allowed boys to compete as girls. So we may start, to, that may be an Olympic question at some point in time here. I think soon. So, okay, so identifying as the other gender is not a physiological thing. It is something that pe- people are thinking about. But what we're seeing then is uh, boys that have the physical advantage. Just because they are identifying as a girl, they are competing in a physical activity. We're clearly uh, in running, as you just mentioned, there's physiological differences between the two. Yes. You know, which are very obvious by looking at them running next to the girls. Yeah. I mean, they are shredded. I mean, they are so muscular and so fit. I mean, they are tremendous athletes competing against women who are born as women. Well, I think if physiologically you are a boy, a man, you, that's where you need to be competing. And as you mentioned, I, I, and I think that we're going to start to see, uh, I think there was in South Dakota some possible legislation that says if you were born a boy, you compete as a boy in high school sports or in, in school sports. If you were born a girl, you compete as a girl. But Angie, I have to tell you that when I was a kid, I never would have even dreamed that we were having this discussion or this conversation about this. I mean, I feel in some ways we've kind of lost our minds. Well, I think in the um, in the name of inclusivity, what about my daughter's having it fair, fairness and inclusivity? Those are the two winners right there. And now if you saw that picture, would you think that's a gal or a guy? A guy. Okay. And we're not, we don't, if he wants to dress as a girl, we don't have a problem with that. We're not saying that. We're not judging him because he feels like a girl. That's not my thing. That's not my cross to bear. Mm-hmm. You, you live your life as you want to live it. But you cannot compete against my daughter. And that's what 17 states are like, just identify, come on in, and you just compete that way. There are states that say you have to compete as the gender, uh, you know, you were born. And I'm sorry if they think it's unfair, but in the name of inclusivity, they're making it unfair to the girls they're competing against. Very good point. And uh, that's what we're seeing, I think, happen a lot is in the name of inclusivity. I guess I'm having trouble with that word today. Uh, that in essence, we're making things, as you mentioned, across the board unfair for all of the other uh, young athletes, girls who have been um, working hard to be the best that they can be. And so it's not a fair game is from a physical standpoint. It's not a fair game. And uh, if if if, in fact, we're trying to get to fairness and equality of opportunity, then we need to make sure that boys compete as boys and girls compete as girls. And then if they want to identify some other way, that's their prerogative. That's fine. You know, you can come to school identifying as a girl. But if you want to compete against girls in sports, there has to be some way to make it fair for women. Or women's sports would just go away. Right. That men who want to identify as women would dominate in women's sports. So how is that fair to women? I mean, then do you have like a separate transgender, you know, um, arena where they compete? Or why can't they compete as boys? I mean, right now we know women um, in Colorado, there are two female wrestlers that just made it to state. And I know that one boy opted out and uh, wrestling both of them for religious reasons. He said, no disrespect to them. I just don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, wrestling, well, wrestling them. I mean, have you ever watched wrestling? Oh, yeah. My yeah. son had to wrestle a girl last year because yeah. they do mix them. Yeah. But that's the sport that they, you know, they... They know that there's the option that they may have to 
wrestle a girl or, you know, vice versa. My, my mm-hmm. son knew that he would. Uh, but in the case of the transgender athletes, I think that there has to be an option for them to, yes, have their own maybe arena to compete or compete against boys. Well, now that's a, you are just a thinking outside the box kind of a girl so that there would be a a third competition, if you will. Oh. It may come to that. I don't know. But okay. it, they sh- certainly shouldn't be competing against girls. Okay. Just, like it's un- not fair. Like Martina Navratilova said, it's not fair. It's not fair. She called it cheating. Yeah. Well, yeah, in a way it probably is. So, hey, Angie Austin, it's really been great to have you here. Uh, what's your final thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Um, and be sure and listen in <laughs> 4 to 6 a.m. or 11 a.m. Uh, that's the Angie Austin and Mike Opelka show. And then also the good news right here on KLZ. I think it's something I've always yelled out to my kids out the car window when I've dropped them off at school. Be kind to others. You know, that's what it's in my be kind to others and love thy neighbor. It's pretty simple. I think we make it real complicated. Right. And if we're kind to each other, smile, good manners. Thank you. Just civility will, will get us a long way down the road. So, Angie Austin, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim.